quiet numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, you're listening to the podcast. So there I was. This is episode 83. Don't worry, it's insured. That's something you never <laughs> want to hear. <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially worry, it's on your first damn solo in a helicopter. <laughs> right? There's, two, oh, there's more than one boy. thing wrong when you, when, when you finish that sentence like that. I mean, come on, we're talking about a helicopter? Oh, my right? gosh. Exactly. And so this is with Chucker. Now, you're going to hear in the show triple, but we were wrong. Shortly after recording, we found out that Chucker is our quadruple tanker aircraft commander. God First bless you, only. sir. First yeah. and only, and and yeah. there's something wrong with him, but I'm glad he, I'm glad it is. Very humbling, and there's no. I'm words. glad there's something wrong with him, but you know, I know, yeah. right? Thank you, Chucker. I yeah. I just don't know how to. I mean, I'm at I'm at a loss for words, and that's not very common. Yeah. Now, and this is a man. I mean, you can tell there's something wrong with him because this is a man who took. 24, 25 years to get from his first lesson to his private ticket. Where if there was saying. a gold chucker, if there was a gold medal for <laughs> distance between your first flight and your check ride, you'd win, brother. Hands down. Now I know there's a lot of circumstances that you covered in the interview, but you're the gold medal winner. Oh shit, excuse gold me, Jack, my cough is acting up. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my no, gosh, I did. I did another great core workout. Listen to some yeah. of his stories, and but you know he's Absolutely. got a passion for aviation. It's very obvious, and that's what this is about. So people who think you have to be a military pilot, or you even have to be in the military to be on, you don't. You have to love aviation, and and that's not to say though. And we tried to address it a little bit last night. This man has served. He has served his country, he has served his state, and he's served the people well. So thank you for what you do, Chucker. Yeah, we'll we'll keep that. We talk about it a little bit in the show, but don't need to advertise that and make a big deal. He, he's he's a solid citizen who helps he's make very the humble, world a better very place. humble about it, too. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, yeah. if you didn't pull it out of him, he wouldn't talk about it, I don't think. Right, right. Told us he wanted to fly helos from the time he was a little kid. That, again, tells us there's something wrong with the man. <laughs> Yeah, there's just one <laughs> small disconnect there, you know, repeat, and I don't understand that. Now, there's a lot of helicopter pilots yeah. out there that yeah. will take yeah. exception to that statement, and you know what I say? Fight's on. Let's go. Yeah, good luck, because <laughs> that shit terrifies me. <laughs> I know. I don't want anything to do with that, and God bless you guys that, that do. Uh, right. We've got a couple pictures I'll put into the podcast itself. So if you listen to the show on Downcast or Apple Podcasts, that sort of thing, you'll see the pictures change with chapters, and I'll get these in there. But the the first one that we'll have a picture on the story with, I believe, is Make-A-Wish. It's his friend, Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish. His call sign, they gave this guy a call sign, Make-A-Wish, all one word. It's an amazing story. It's a gut laugher. It, it makes sense when you see it. Well, I've got to tell the story. He sent you and me the photo. Yeah. And he, he told did. us yeah. the story briefly in the text. And I'm in a public waiting room, and I, uh, people were looking at me like I was bat guano crazy, man. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just I laughed out loud. I was howling reading it. So I think you're going to enjoy that one a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. There's, there's no getting around it. <laughs> right? Then we've got a picture of him at the controls of a Hilo. I think he said that was from his solo. That's his first solo, yeah. Which is Dude, where the, fly uh, the helicopter, don't take selfies. <laughs> well, he had, I think he had GoPro cameras hooked yeah, up. Yeah, he did. 
But but you know that's where the <laughs> show title come from. Don't worry, it's insured. What? <laughs> <laughs> and a couple amazing stories from his civilian job. Yeah, that were just there, and and one of them. I don't think he, he he wasn't tooting his own horn, but it comes through loud and clear. What a good guy this guy is! Yeah, don't don't uh, d- just tease it like that. Don't don't yeah. tell the. It has to do with a still. Yeah, like a whiskey still. Yeah, what a great guy! I think first of all, one last warning: be prepared to pull over so you don't injure yourself if you're listening to this in the car, because you are going to belly laugh at some of the shit that goes on in this show. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. All right, let's folks. Get out. Hey, let's get out of the way. Let's do it. Help. Don't sit on hey, the collective. You, that's two shows in a row. Don't sit on the collective. Holy this here's a true story. What, about crossing what are we the doing pond? wrong? All these helo guys. <laughs> At night. <laughs> God bless you, Jarker. Thanks for what you do. On the tanker, through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was walking up a lonely road with a bunch of state troopers and sheriff's deputies approaching a house to one of the supposed biggest moonshiners in our area, ready to kick down the door because he would shoot to save his stash. And we had received multiple calls. And needless to say, that's not what happened. Oh, boy. That's not what we normally hear, <laughs> hero. <No. laughs> exactly. And I can't wait not. to hear the rest yeah. of yeah. there's, there's, there's maybe a little more than an aviation tale or two. If still aviation related tonight, I promise. Repeat here, coming to, me, coming to you from New Hampshire, I believe, last time I checked. And I'm here chatting with my co-host, Fig. Looks like hey. you're home, sir. I am. Nice. I'm in Kearney, sporting my Kansas City Chiefs garb because it's Monday Night Football. And we got to kick off here in an hour and 25 minutes, so i got to talk fast. There but you. more importantly, <laughs> we have got... a triple aircraft tanker aircraft commander in our presence tonight. Chucker. Boom, boom. Welcome. Thanks, gentlemen. It's Chuck. an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's an honor to have you. And boy, we, you know, we've developed this. I, you started off getting turned on to the show by Dago Billy. Yeah. And and here you are. So glad to have you. I yes. love all fans of aviation, especially those that, that attempt it themselves on occasion. When did you first attempt it? Oh, gosh. I, I look back and <laughs> I think my first love of aviation probably started when I was four or five years old. And I was playing with, you know, little die cast airplanes, building airports in my room. And right. I was always fascinated anytime you see an airplane. We lived in the approach path of our local airport. So, you know, I'd walk out and they'd fly over every day. Of course. And I yeah. think I took my first lesson. My uncle rented a 150 when I was 11 or 12 years old. And I took my first lesson when I was, when I was 11 or 12. Nice. And do you remember how that felt today? Oh, I do. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, right. I remember climbing in and, and, you know, him giving me the spiel of push here for the houses to get uh, bigger, push here, the houses get smaller, <laughs> left, right. And uh, we took off and spent an hour in the air, and I was hooked from that day on. That's awesome. 
And now they wouldn't let you touch the controls of a car yet, but an right. airplane, not a problem. Right? Not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> that ironic. That, yeah. that is kind of funny when you think about it. I actually have a buddy. He recently retired from work. His family has a, a light aircraft, and the rule in his family was for the girls to solo, or for the girls to get their ears pierced, they had to solo in the cheetah. I like that rule. Yeah. <laughs> and But he had a son who I don't guess he didn't want his ears pierced or whatever, but still made him fly it too, and and three of the four girls are, or I'm sorry, two of the three girls are at the airlines and, and his son is also at the airlines. And, but when his son took his private check ride, he had over a thousand hours dual. What? <laughs> he was oh, four yeah. years old when he put oh him in the left seat and started keeping his logbook. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, but I digress. So yeah, that's, that's an early start. Were you able to keep up with it at all as a no, teenager? That- a little bit. So that's the funny story thing about aviation, especially for us that weren't in the military. You know, it kind of comes and goes as life gets in the way. I went immediately and joined the local Silver Patrol squadron, which was absolutely amazing as a 12-year-old. And the, the things that I learned there and, and progressed through and really dove into my love of military aviation, civil aviation, and thought that was the path that I was going to go. You know, as a 12-year-old standing tall in front of you know, your cadet commander, you're thinking this is, this is the life that I'm going to leave. We went, we did a encampment to, I think it was Fort Knox. I was 13. And uh, the okay. coolest thing, a C-130 comes and picks us up and takes us. I mean, how, how cool is that for a 13 year old? Right. You know, nice. and then, so we had a week of boot camp. I think I called home like three or four times, like, please, can I come home? This ain't for me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but ended up loving it and, and did that until I got to high school. And uh, unfortunately our squadron kind of disbanded a little bit. Oh, that's and, too and, bad. And split up. So it kind of, it died away, but it's always something that, that I love doing. I flew a little bit in high school, you know, just here and there uh-huh. and had the intentions. I wanted to be an army helicopter pilot. That was kind of my goal. Did not tell my mother that she would have lipped her lid. <laughs> she was, she back then, we, we had a, a, my first cousin who passed away in the military. So after that, it was automatically assumed if you join the military, you're going to die. Oh, sure. That was, I heard that constantly. So, um, <laughs> so I, I, the, uh, the army came to the high school and, and they had this tractor trailer looking rig thing where they had army aviation and different things and like an early Microsoft flight sim. And I'm blind as a bat. And they told me right there that it ain't going to happen, son. Damn. <laughs> so, yeah. That didn't happen. Although later on, I did get a call. I figured you'd find this funny from Marine Corps recruiter. This was after I was a paramedic. And he told me that I could join the the Marine Corps as a medic, and I said, "I'm pretty sure that's not how that works." But, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, but thanks come for come down and sign Gunny. up anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we'll tell you anything <laughs> you want to hear. Yeah, we'll uh, just sign these papers and ignore you know the MOS for infantry. When you get there, just tell them that's not what you're here for. Yeah, yeah. you're here to be a medic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, I got another quick story on that too. I'll make it as quick as I can. A buddy of mine was at LSU many years ahead of me. And he he blew his uh, grades and got drafted. So he called his dad. Goes, Dad, you know I got I got a problem here. Lost lost my deferral and now I'm drafted. What I'm going to do? He goes, Hang on, I, you know I'll call my friend who's in charge of the Louisiana National Guard. Calls him up. Says, Oh yeah, let's call him Joe. Joe Joe plays the the trumpet in the LSU band, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he does. All right, well we'll have him join the National Guard. He can come to. Alexandria and play, play, trumpet. Tr- play trumpet in the in the what was it not in England? What's the uh, air base? The 
army base there in Alexandria. Anyway, there's big army base in Alexandria. He, he can come play in the marching band here. So about four days later, he's down at Indoc in New Orleans, and they're coming through, and he said this, Big Marine gunnery sergeant comes in and goes, I need six volunteers for the Marine Corps. You, 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 you. Taps him right on the chest. You. And he's like, trumpet, Army, National Guard, <laughs> shut the F up. You're <laughs> he said the next time I spoke to my dad was on a pair of yellow feet in front of the no. pay phones at Paris Island going, hello, Father, I've safely arrived at Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris oh, Island, South Carolina. I will call you in two weeks when I get my first liberty. I'm safe and sound. And <laughs> Are you shitting me? That's a no. real story? It's a true story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where have I gone wrong? Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Okay. All set I to play that. trumpet. <laughs> I love that. Not so much. They said 96 days later, he was humping an M14 across South Vietnam. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What year What year uh, do you know? What that year? would have been, it, it was in like 71, 72. Okay. Yeah. So, so One Eye and, and Gunny and all those guys yeah. had already been there and done that and left. Yeah. yeah. Chucker, there was, I saw a picture and I think it was, it must have been you, you getting your, you know, getting your CAP credentials pinned on you or something, or get, or taking yeah. the oath, taking the oath. Is that was, right? I think it was, I was end of being uh, probably 12, right before 13. That was, I don't remember what that was. Just found that in a box of photos. That's pretty um, awesome. And that was, uh, I, that, that commander's still there. He was a retired police officer in a lo- local town and mm-hmm. Air Force guy. And he's, he's still around. So I sent that picture to him about six months ago. He got a good laugh out of it. So when when is Ooh, it? Look at that haircut. Ooh. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. So you so. you took a break from flying, went to college, and then eventually law school. And then when did you pick up flying again? So in two thousand five. Oh, no, actually before that, two thousand four was in almost the last year of law school, and was just going crazy. I mean, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done mentally, and I needed something to kind of clear my mind and kept driving past the airport and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. So I nice. uh, went over to Craig field in Jacksonville and started renting a 172 and was fanatic about it. I was there three days a week, you know, just one after the other. Nice. And got the hours was scheduled for the check ride. I remember the date. It was May 17th, 2005. And we got weathered out and check ride canceled the next day. I was scheduled to move back to our home state. And then I started studying for the bar and that put the stop to flying again for close to 10 years. <sighs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause you're just going to get to it next month. Yeah. yeah. It just, and that's the way it always felt like, <sighs> but then thanks to a good friend, Dagabilly, he was like, you got to get this done. So off we, off we went. Was, was he, nice. your, was he your instructor? He was on CFI. The- Yep. Okay. Sure I I knew I knew that he had been a CFI for you, but I didn't know in what phase. Yeah. Hey, yeah, real quick, finished. Craig Field is that in uh, Florida? Yeah, it's in Jacksonville, right down is, near the beach, right next to Mayport. Is, is there a VOR? Yeah. Is that where Craig VOR is? It's right on the field there. Yep. Aha. All right. I know exactly where that is. Oh yeah. It's funny when you come out of Craig, the runway for Mayport aligns right with Craig, and they're only separated by a couple miles. And if they mainly helicopters come out of Mayport and they of course don't pay attention to any of the winds coming out. And if you take off and don't pay attention, you'll come head on with a helicopter and you both kind of make your, your turn together. And it's <laughs> kind of surprising when you look over and you see them, they see you and it's just a place to fly. Oh man. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Well, okay. So it's you took a, a 10, did you say 10 years? Yeah. Almost yeah. 2015, 2014-ish is when you started flying Some, again? Somewhere around there. It was, yeah, it was right, right before that. So, so longer than that, 2016. So you had gotten, I mean, you were ready for your I was done. Check it seems ride. to be like the, the theme of my aviation career is get done, get ready for a check ride and something happens. But uh, yeah, I was done and went back and, and we basically started from scratch. It, it picked up decently quick, but uh, you know, I could have think of all the hours that I probably could have saved if I would have just knocked it out like you're supposed to. So when you started flying that last time, how long from the time you started until you took your, your check ride this time? Was it fairly? It was fairly soon, maybe about a year. It was, it wasn't every week like it should have been my schedule at that point. I was running for election as judge that year. So I was a little busy doing that. And then, uh, Dega Billy was full-timing it with the majors. So you guys know how those schedules are. So when we would get aligned, we would, we would do it until, so finally he got me soloed and then I was kind of off on my own and prepping. So repeat, this is, this is kind of a first for, so there I was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know Gunny Sachs was lawyer, right? After the Marine Corps. Right. Right. But I don't think he ever served as a judge. Do you? No. And I don't think Deuce did either. He was Coast Guard lawyer. So, sir, I think you are our first first judge. Judge judge Aviator. (laughs) All right. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Here comes the judge. I really want want the job so I could just wear a black robe and I didn't have to get dressed up for work every day. That was really the the bonus. Nobody knows what I'm wearing. Fig, do not ask him. Oh. So right now, I'm, I know I'm thinking, does he, did you wear furry underwear under your robe and that's it? Or, or are you, or are you fully dressed or do we it's, not want to talk? It's about a, so it? there I was bikini. Yeah. The fuzzy bikini. Cause it's a little cold. Very nice. Very nice. So let's see. Oh dear uh, God. You, so did you get instrument rated and how many ratings do you have? So I've got private now and I've spent a majority of the rest of the time doing helicopter stuff. So oh that gosh. was, that was, it goes back to that dream that I had when I was a so kid. So you thought he had yeah. good judgment being a judge, but now he gets in helicopters. So you I, have to I know. <laughs> I, so I want to know what is it exactly that you were so drawn to helicopters for? I mean, I, yeah. I first of all, God bless you. Cause I, I, I know you, I know you own a helicopter. I know you fly the shit out of it. I'm scared to death of helicopters. I had one bad experience in one. I actually f- flew one for about 30 seconds once in college, and I knew that was I was way beyond my skill level. So why? Something about the fact that you can plan wherever you want, you can go wherever you want, you're not subject to having that runway, the ability just to float in space. It's just, it's an amazing feeling that you guys, I mean, you felt it without the ability to auto rotate. So I think, yeah, I think that, yeah. uh, that you kind of okay. you know, understand that same feeling. Oh, I get uh, it. I mean, if I, you, if I, your big engine quits. You got options. You know, I do get that part of it. Yeah. You know, we had the, we had the ability to eject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get I away from that. Look damn down thing. between my feet and go, that's where I'm going. Right. Yeah. And going back before I was a lawyer, I went through paramedic school and and really enjoyed doing that. And the love of aviation kind of meshed with that because we had helicopters in EMS. That was kind of the the high echelon of of being a paramedic. You go from you know ground paramedic to to the dream of being a flight paramedic or working with a flight program. So I was always around helicopters, even before law school, after law school. Matter of fact, my first job after law school 
was with a aviation company doing EMS as, as one of their regional managers and their general counsel, which oh. was a dream job. I mean, I got to go to work every day and play around helicopters, still work with the people that I, that I knew and loved and get to play lawyer a little bit on the side. So that's an early picture. Yeah. Yeah. So you were an EMT and a lawyer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And you did. So did you, were you a flying, did you fly as an EMT in that, in the helicopter? I did a little, a majority of my role was in management because okay. when okay. I came out uh, right out of law school, they, they put me in charge of all the I's and O's and paperwork and all the fun stuff, but I hopped on whenever I could. Okay. Hopefully in the well, left or left front seats where I really wanted to ride. I didn't care about it. Right. So this morning, Fig, you, you saw it and, and I saw it shortly after you. He sent us a picture. I tell oh my god! Story. He sent us a uh, picture, yes. and I've got to tell you, they, they were ready to haul me away. I was in a waiting room at a veterinarian's office, and and people thought I was special. So he's telling the story. This is I should I, I should preface this with I did get his permission to tell this story. Right. You know, because the last thing I wanted was him because he listens to the show and he's probably yeah. listening now. And, uh, awesome. and I will put it, I will put it in the audio. I'll put this picture in with the audio show. Yeah. But if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or rumble, I have the picture up now that we're, we're about to talk. about. <laughs> so the, the company I work for, they had a, a competitor and we were always, you know, at each other's throat business wise. And in the photo, you see three different flight suits. And <laughs> yes. two, uh, three of the flight suits are, were one company, a red one with, with my, my buddy, Jason and, and the green and the, the darker blue and the lighter blue was the com- competition. Okay. Well, we get a phone call one day that, that nobody in business likes to hear. We're getting acquired by our competition. Well, everybody knows what that means. Like, you know, somebody's going to go home. Right. So I, I get a word from the, the head shed to get a picture of all the flight crews together. And we're going to put out this calendar type picture showing that we're all one big, happy team, one big, happy family, no more competition. So we called around and had a flight crew member from each base that was working go take this picture. And I didn't even see the picture. Fast forward, (laughs) get a call from an ER nurse manager, I believe she was, just really wanting to thank us for what we did for the community and for the kids and And all of the, the, the people that loved helicopters and we're not, I'm not following like, what are you talking about? It's it's just like, it's so nice that you gave those special kids flight suits to wear and they took that picture and we're just like, what? Oh, (laughs) and and so naturally that spawned, you know, a lot of laughs and, and funny things. So if you can see the picture online, you see, yeah. You know, these three young ladies in flight suits looking like like good flight nurses. And then there's there's our buddy. Jason looking in the like middle. He's, Jason <laughs> in the middle looking looking like he's in heaven he's got, and he's got a little that special. Shit eating grin <laughs> on his face. You don't know why. Is he yeah. is, is he happy? Is he did you know, did somebody put something up his Tickling, so, tickling with a feather all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, what just happened there? Oh my So God. naturally, we were, you know, they, they called him Make a Wish. Like it was his last wish on earth was to be between <laughs> those three nurses. And, you know, to this day, that's been, that was 2007 or eight, maybe. And uh, I still die laughing when I look at that picture. 
Make a wish. I think he himself when he first saw that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he knows Jason. Jason's a pilot as well. So that he's, is hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So yeah, because that's what uh, you said. That You know, you said he got the call from the hospital. He's not a special kid. He's a hell of a special. medic and a great pilot special. and a big yeah. fan of the show. So he, he just <laughs> just happens to look that way in that picture. There you go. He's so make a wish. Picture. We're glad you're listening. You know, I, guess, I guess if it had been any of us, we'd probably be sitting there like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the nurses were kind of hot, right? Yeah. Little and smoke like, shows there, yeah. yeah. Here, they're all around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting on the call from upper the headshed to be like, could you not have sent another you know, <laughs> girl that looked just like them? But yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. But it was he, he's special. <laughs> yeah. All right, our brother from BDS Aviation is he's 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 poking the bear here. You know, <laughs> willing to hover in a Harrier but scared of Hilo. Yep. Well, exactly. Exactly. It's not the same thing at all. No. Well, how quick do you come down if your engine stops? You know, pretty quick, right? Well, you you come down like a piano, like a piano, a grand piano. (laughs) So, you know, we, you know, the object is you you, you don't spend a lot of time in the hover if you don't have to. You come in, you hover, you point the thing in the wind, you land. Unless you're at an air show doing a demo or something. But otherwise, yeah, you, you know, you, you hover for, I don't know, a few seconds and then you land. That's the first time I saw a Harrier was Civil Air Patrol. They had an air show at our local airport. Harrier and a F-18, or F- F-14, rather, was there. Okay. Yeah. Loud. Yeah. Loud. Yes, they are loud. What? What did he say, Fig? I think he said they're loud. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. uh, it, it's I got loud. The you know, to prove it. The air coming out of the puffer ducts for the reaction controls is going supersonic. So it's... Yeah. It, it makes noise. It's impressive. Uh, I saw the one at Oshkosh a couple of years ago. The guy that privately owns one. That's amazing. I can't oh, imagine yeah, what his bills are. Uh, chaos. Whoa. We had chaos well, on the chaos. show. As a matter of fact, he said, he tried, you know, when we saw him at the, at the reunion, he's try, he was trying to sell us the Harriers. He's got two. He's got enough for three. Well, he's got three, but enough for one with all the parts. And said, well, what's it cost to buy three Harriers? So he says, well, I'll give, it all, give the whole thing to you, the whole package for 10 sure million. What? <laughs> What? Well, he's, I was going to write him a check that night. I just didn't have my checkbook. Yeah. so yeah. yeah, I didn't either. We were going to, actually, we had chaos on, and he was absolutely a riot. However, I think and he, he turned us on to sugar. He's, well, he's trying to sell it. Then he, he's yeah. trying to see he's got a deal to sell it, and the guy that wants to buy it doesn't want to fly it. And he says, well, Fig, you you could go fly it for him. You, you know, and I'm like, no. no absolutely not. That thing looks dangerous. <laughs> I complain about my annual on a Cessna or a, the helicopter. Oh I can't, I can't, can't imagine what no. the maintenance costs are. Well, I and I think that's considered experimental now, right? So, you know, how do they really have, have to, to be. do annual on a? I don't know how that works. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be crawling like in it unless it's inspection or something. You know, similar to that. But is the yeah. Panther the one your aircraft you're building, Chucker? Is that experimental? It is. is it? it is. It's experimental. So it's it's basically. If you think of an RV, it's a one-seat RV, a really neat little airplane. Uh, okay. Aerobatic qualities. and It um, looked, I saw the picture that you sent, and it looked, I, I when it, before I did any reading, I thought it was an RV. Yeah, it, it's, it looks very similar, but it's RV improved, as I like to tell the the, uh, the guy that, the friend of mine. Okay. Well, hey, uh, so chat about that. What does it take to to build your own airplane? How does How do you get started? Well, for me, it takes knowing people that know how to build, because that's not my specialty. <laughs> 
Uh, but right. you basically, right. you can build your own from, I mean, from anything. But a majority of the guys do it from a kit. And, you know, if you, you build more than 51% of it, you can register it as an experimental amateur built. And you can do your own condition inspections and and kind of take care of things yourself. A lot of people that think experimental, they hear that and they think, oh, my gosh, it's, it's dangerous. It's yeah. But, yeah. you know, we have options in the experimental world for avionics that are half the cost with double the capabilities that you can right, put in a 172. Right. So once I, and I, I initially thought that when I first heard it and I was like, Oh, experimental, I don't know about this. And, and when I finally learned what it was, it's, it's really an area that I think is keeping general aviation alive. The air park that we're a majority of the flyers I know are and, and jungle. He has a hangar right next to us here. Most okay. of those guys fly RVs or Panthers and have a great time doing it. Most of them are tired Naval aviators and majority of them is funny. They go up and they're Panthers and RVs and dogfight on Saturdays, compete for beer. And they've got a hangar called the Dreamland Squadron right up the, the, the runway here where it's painted yeah, like nice. a carrier. You walk in, it's got a ready room. Their scores are up and great group oh, of guys. Shit. So yeah. my question is, how do they score it? Is it the same as when active duty? Last one to the chalkboard loses? I would probably say so, yeah. I don't think there's <laughs> much honesty going on there. And, and by the time they start to get through the beer, I'm sure the score changes three or four times. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, that's, all, that's, that's pretty awesome. And that's... Uh, yeah. That that keeps you young for real. It is a great group of guys. They you know they do flyovers for veterans' funerals and and things where they couldn't get an active duty aircraft to do it. They'll go take care of it. So it's it's really neat to see them carried on. Yeah, I actually had a buddy uh, went to his funeral about eighteen months ago, and they had our RV. Is it eight? That's the tandem seating. Four and a half. Yes, RV eight. RV eight yeah, mm-hmm. so they had RV eights do a vision flyover missing man. It was really nice. It's like, and the, damn. the nice thing about the RVs and, and the Panthers, you know, for guys like me who, who didn't have the ability to do what you guys did, it kind of lets us live out our childhood fantasy of, of being that fighter pilot or, you know, being the military guy when we didn't have the chance to do it. Yeah. So, it, so you're flying, flying formation a good bit of the time? I have when, not. When you can? Oh, so okay. I've done it a few times. I've done some photos, okay. but as soon as the, the Panthers done, that's the next thing I'm going to do. I, I think I'm going to take the one of the aerobatic courses over at Patty Wagstaff. It's not too far from here. They do oh, a lot of awesome. aerobatics and yeah, and to to get started on that. But uh, yeah. most of the guys down here, like I, I was actually out right before the show. One of the guys, call signs jet pilot, he was up in his Panther and he took off and saw him do start doing some slow aerobatics and then rolling around and just having having a blast. There you go. Yeah, Sal on episode eighty about three weeks ago did that. So he was. Uh, he he really enjoyed it, <clears throat> but I, that's I think we named the show. You can't make me sick, right? That's right. It was the Patty Wagstaff right. schools. Like you know, you're gonna need some drama, mean. You're gonna need the patch. You're gonna need the bags. You can't make me sick, you know. Sorry. <laughs> aerobatics I've done. I, I did some in a Stearman, which was a blast. But I mean, it's right. it's one G the entire time. The whole that thing is so slow and lumbering. I mean, it's right. a blast. But you just you just don't just all over the sky. And I mean, yeah. talk about a fun airplane. I think it burns more oil than it does gas, but right. (laughs) Fill the oil and check the gas. Oh man. So, so we talked about it briefly. I'm looking for the picture now. I'll upload it. Well, you, well, you start chatting about it. I'd like to hear about your, your, your check, your check ride. Best check ride (laughs) in the ugliest airplane says the DPE. (laughs) So, (laughs) Oh, first of all, that's an acronym. That's an acronym. I don't know that we've covered deep, 
DPE. That's Delta oh, Papa yeah. Echo. What is what is that, Chucker? That is the designated pilot examiner. So that is the gentleman that has been blessed by the FAA to determine that you're safe enough to go up and attempt to kill yourself on your own or with somebody. So <laughs> he takes the place of the FAA examiner right. on a lot of things. So and we've got one in our local area, and Colonel Peters has been he was a C-130 commander for years, the 130th. And he's, he's the guy. I mean, everybody takes his check rides from him. So we, I showed up and the first airplane I owned was a 1956 172. It wasn't even a 172A. It was just nice. a 172. And this thing, it had so many layers of paint on it over the years. And no one stripped any of them off. I mean, it <sighs> probably had an extra 200 pounds of weight. Oh, in, yeah. In you bet. <laughs> and the last paint job that it had, I've always been a sucker for yellow airplanes. And the last air, the paint job it had was yellow. The problem was the previous guy had gone to his local Home Depot and got some <laughs> yellow latex paint and some rollers, no. uh, about 48 cans <sighs> of beer and his buddies, and they rolled the paint on because no. he was going to go to Alaska and wanted it yellow. You can imagine how that lasted. So pieces are peeling off, you know, after I get it. And of course I, p- I picked it up right before airplanes went stupid crazy. Oh, there's the picture. Gorgeous, gorgeous airplane. <laughs> and so it starts, you know, everybody at the airport starts peeling little pieces off one at a time until finally it just kind of starts looking like that. Oh as we're gosh. getting them. But I'm ready for my check ride. And of course, you know, paint doesn't fly. It, it doesn't matter. The airplane doesn't care what color it is. You know, I'm going to get <laughs> yeah. this done. So I go take the check ride and, and Colonel Peters, you know, we come back and, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. He just kind of looks at you. And I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. And he says, well, I got one thing to say. I said, what's that? He goes, John got you ready. And that's probably one of the best check rides that I've had in a while. And I'm like, you know, feeling like that's right. You know? Yeah. Like I'm right. It is. I was ready. I, I camped at the airport for two days, like cramming for this thing. And he goes in the most ugly looking airplane I've ever seen in my life. Hands me the certificate and walks off. <laughs> I just got to stand there like, all right. Okay. That just, Dude just insulted my airplane. <laughs> yeah. it was right after that, I was at another airport and there's a, I think it was a Falcon and it's painted like a Corvette and it's Brad Paisley's Falcon. And he's Whoa. from our hometown. Yeah. And his mother had passed away sometime down that weekend. So he was in town. And I'm lined up right behind him. And I got to pass him first and, oh, no. and get right behind him at the hold short to depart. No, and I can see no. people like looking out, looking out the, the window. And I'm like, I'm going to be a country song. They're like, only in this state. What the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's and, awesome. And for that same flight, I told the uh, tower, I said, uh, yellow 172, I'm ready to, to taxi. And he came back and said, yellow-ish 172. You're oh. ready to taxi. Oh, so man. Two, here's a good bird. That's well, mechanically good. It just looked bad. And that's it just looked bad. Yeah, that's mechanically bad. good. Had had the Johnson bar flaps. It's like thrown on barn doors when you want. It's a great airplane to fly. Nineteen fifty six. Yep. Upgraded it to a brand spanking new nineteen seventy one model. <laughs> with okay. better paint. There you but, go. Uh, she's still uh, my actually my MP has her and uh, old Make a Wish was my partner on that airplane too. So uh, he's, 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 he's still got he's still got burns on his forearms from peeling uh, from spraying the the uh, paint stripper without protective gear on. Um, oh, <laughs> trying to get the, that off and not having to correct me, but I think it had six layers of paint on it. Okay, so Make a Wish, maybe you are special. 
<laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Bless his heart. How many airplanes <laughs> have right? how many airplanes have you owned, Chucker? Or aircraft, I guess I should say, since I know you have a helicopter. Well, my wife's listening, so one. <laughs> okay. Just okay. So we I've had uh two one seventy twos. I had a Zenith CH seven fifty stole, which was a fun airplane, but it it's it's like a flying brick. I mean, you, you pull the power on it, it's might as well be a helicopter. It, it comes okay. straight down. Yeah. Started with with the helicopter, got it off of my helicopter instructor, and then we've I'm partnered on the Panther here in uh, in in Florida. Okay. Nice. So there's a story. Okay. There's a story I'm looking in the show notes. This your solo Hilo solo story. So you know you you, you I was scared to death. To, I, I get scared every time I get in a helicopter. Yeah. I mean it's you know it, hey, it's man. a good fear. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's a good fear. Uh, that's but, exactly how I feel, and I don't get in them. Yeah, and it's it's so, not a good fear for us. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the times I went to take off, and the trim motor stuck just a little bit, and you know you have a trim motor stick in your one seventy two, and you're like, well, okay, I'll figure this out in a second. Well, trim motor stuck, and I felt the, the cyclic just kind of stick. And, of course, I, like, slammed the collective down, like, immediately. Like, I'm not going anywhere until I figure out what the hell this was. So the aircraft that, that I'm flying, I'm a big buff of, of anything military history, is actually a 1967 Hughes TH-55. And it, it was first delivered to Fort Walters for the Army. And I've got the records that go all the way back to it. Now, being a helicopter, uh-huh. it's been rebuilt about 60,000 times. Yeah. Um, Hold on, I have to ask you, Chucker. Is mm-hmm. that like the? Does it have a bu- like? Is a bubble with a with a yeah? Uh, basically, book? a bubble with a, a stick sticking out the back with the tail rotor. I mean, that's okay. That's okay. It. There's yeah. there's no baggage. There's there's not even a compartment under the seat. You can't that's take it. That's what I was envisioning. I just wanted yeah. to make sure I was in this ballpark. And and they're designed. They're that's not what you're flying aircraft. now, though. That yeah, that's it. That's the one. Oh, that okay. I, All right, let me end up buying. Pull that up. Okay. It's there. Excellent aircraft. I mean, you can kind of see you got a whole bubble there, and a, basically your tail rotor just comes straight out of the back. Of course, being built by the military contractors by the lowest bid possible, I think the transmission is like a Dana 44 rear end out of a truck. And right. uh, the tail rotor, it's nicknamed the Mattel Messerschmitt because the tail rotor contractor was Mattel Toys. So that was the what? original manufacturer of the tail rotor, Mattel. But it's it, it's very forgiving for a helicopter. It's it doesn't have hydraulics. It's all manual. So you know when you sit there and think about these guys that you know showed up at nineteen twenty years old hopping in these things, you know, and they get twenty hours. Next thing you know, they're going to a Huey. Then the next thing you know, they're in Vietnam. Wow. And I, I just joined a Facebook group with TH fifty fives, and all of those guys are like, "Please put that serial number up. I think I want to see if I flew it." You know, so these old guys are looking through their logbooks to see if they flew it, and it's just it's amazing. Who, who, who built that, Chucker? Who's the manufacturer of a T-55? Hughes. Hughes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hughes, then uh, Schweitzer. So sometimes you'll see a Schweitzer 300. And okay. then Sikorsky bought them back in like 2011. And that lasted for like a week. And they, they <laughs> dumped it. And uh, they're starting to make them again. And it's funny. They're, they're, there's not much difference you know, from the ones they make now to, to those. Yeah. They run on a Lycoming IO360. You know, hundred, I think it's 160, 180, but it's D rated 160 horsepower. Wow. But, but my solo kind of got, kind of got off tangent there, but yeah, the solo so, yeah. wasn't, you know, not, wasn't ready for it. Wasn't thinking it, you know, I knew it was probably going to happen someday. And my instructor, Joe, who's taught 
probably every helicopter pilot within the state. He's that guy. I think he's 12, 13,000 hours of time. Uh, re- retired from EMS, retired flying Hueys. He retired from, he switched from the Marine Corps to Army Aviation because they wouldn't let him fly in the, the Marine Corps. So he said he still has a chip on his shoulder about that. But So he takes me to the end of the numbers and says, we'll pick it up and hover up. And I want you to straddle right, right in the middle of that six, right at the end of the runway six. Okay. I'm not thinking. I pick it up, sat down. I'm like, hey, I did that pretty good. Didn't tilt it over. We're not laying on our side. <laughs> he said, all right, uh, slot it left. Did that. Slot it right. And he starts adjusting his seatbelts. And, you know, I've, done, I've been through this before in planes. I should have seen it coming. Yeah. And he just undoes his belts and looks at me and goes, screw it. I'm going to walk back. Meet me at the fuel pumps. And I'm like, excuse me? What? How do you want to And so he's tucking the seatbelts in. And I've, I've got a GoPro going. And my face is like, and he says, no, seriously, you're ready. Go ahead. Just I'll meet you back. And I asked like two stupid questions. I can't remember what the first one was. And I said, is it going to fly different without you in it? And he goes, well, hell yeah, it's going to fly different without me in it. What do you think? And I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. And then he turns around and uh, like, I'm starting to spin the RPMs back up. And he, he goes, uh, don't worry. It's insured. And just takes off walking. <laughs> I'm, just, like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, he ain't coming back. I'm like, I'm going to take this thing over. That's a show title there, baby. I'm writing it down. I'm I'm, I'm writing it down. And and I was, I was scared, but the moment I pulled the collective up and I was airborne, I was really scared. Like, all right, now you got to land and, uh, and went around. But what could possibly go wrong? That's where that, the photo actually that that I sent you guys of the helicopter. That's from the solo. Oh, okay. It, it was a good backup. I loved it. Loved it. So how many hours in the how many hours in the helo do you have now? So I'm right about forty, close to maybe thirty eight forty. Back to the check ride, my nemesis. I was scheduled for a check ride with the helicopter now three times. Was ready last summer or last winter and couldn't get it scheduled. We don't have very many helicopter DPs and around closest one is Cincinnati, and that's a pretty good oh haul. Oh my gosh! That so goes you're still trying to get it. You're still trying still to get trying, it done. Yeah, okay. I need to get it scheduled and done. Second thing that happened was the tack goes out. So we're we're doing our, our prep, and I, I noticed the needles start splitting, and that's a bad thing in a helicopter. You want that RPM yeah. and that rotor needle to, to, to stay up. together. So okay. we took the tack out, and being a 1967 model, you know, it's not like you can just call up Aircraft Spruce and they'll send you another one. So we sent it back, <laughs> overhauled. That took about a month and a half. So come back and, and – you know, like airplane, you got to shake the rust off, although it's just like twice as much. You know, as soon as you, you start flying again, it's like, oh my God, did my feet work? Do I remember how to use the pedals? What the hell's going on? And was, I'm worn out just thinking yeah, about this. Yeah. Chapter. I, that's <laughs> a lot a, of work. That's a lot yeah. of work. Your both hands and your feet all the time. Oh yeah. I bet, it was, you know, I listen to like thinking about me flying it. And then I listen to sticks talking about like going 50 feet off the water in the clock, right? you know, like and and I can't imagine. You just are like doing. I can't, can't imagine doing that. And uh, at, at night in the weather, yeah. uh, oh. you know, I'm like clear blue in 22, no wind. I'm like, okay, I'll go fly it today. You know, and was set again, and end up having to have surgery this summer, and that knocked out the entire summer of flying. Of course um, it did. You know, and finally got cleared, and and now I'm just just knocking the rust off again, and, and just finding that yeah. DP to do it. So do you get a? You seem to recall when I was doing 
civil flying, I basically had a sign off as long as I stayed within 25 or 50 miles. I think it was 25 yeah, miles of the airport. Yeah. So I could fly around. And- Which with the helicopter, you know, you had, I had to get used to, you know, I'd look the airplane flying. I'd go look outside and the ceilings were a thousand and it's a little windy. You're like, oh, I'm not flying today. Well, majority of our stuff for training is right there, 10 feet off the ground in the grass, you know, so right. you can really go fly that thing a lot of other times. And it really handles wind better than what I thought as a fixed wing guy. You know, you, you, you get yeah. turbulence and wind and it, it really, you don't feel it. Well, you can put, you can put your nose into the wind all the time too. Mm-hmm. That's the other beauty of it, I guess. But it's like, how what, do you do a crosswind uh, landing helicopter? You don't yeah. have to. <laughs> then you'll be able to do cool stuff, help out with yeah. search and rescue and all kinds of stuff, you know, looking for lost, lost kids and stuff, you know, yeah. give back to the community. But yeah, right. you know, my, my, my first day, it's kind of a sad story, but it was really eye opening on what can happen in helicopters and just in aviation in general. You know, I, yeah. I listened to your guys talk about, you know, your, your lost comrades and, and lost friends and you guys experience it a lot and in civil we do, but we don't get affected by it as much as you guys do. I've lost one friend in a, in a helicopter accident, actually 98 Fox. That's a, one of the last remaining two or six or a Huey B models and UH one B's. So my very first lesson uh, was at the airport where this aircraft was based. And I show up about an hour, hour and a half early you know, excited that I'm finally going to, you know, take the controls of a helicopter, what I've been wanting to do. And they're doing a veterans fly day where they were flying anybody that wanted to go fly in this Huey. And they had different people that would come in nationwide and fly it who had experience in a Huey. And so I took a flight in it right before I was supposed to, to take my, my first lesson with Joe, my instructor. So we go take a flight and go around the pattern and guy that's flying it, you know, he's, he's a vet. Of course they got a, you know, guy in the left seat who's who's checked out on the aircraft but the guy on the right's flying mm-hmm. and just i don't know just the hair on the back of my neck said maybe i shouldn't i shouldn't be doing this shouldn't i shouldn't be in this today Boy. and the right on the end of our runway there's a, there's about a 700 foot gorge and comes back up and on the, the top end there's an old coal mine that they flattened out and the c-130 group uses that as a drop zone and off-field landing sites so they've got two runways cut into the, the hillside and they they do drops and practice things there all day long so I credit those guys with, with getting me off that aircraft because they came in and they announced on CTAF that they're going to do a drop there. So we landed and the, the, the guy that was in charge of putting you on said, you know, you can stay on if you want to go again. I said, no, I'm good. I appreciate it. So I get off the aircraft, go meet Joe in pre-flight and we take off, they take off. And as we're going, we're probably in the air five minutes and we hear them on CTAF from the FBO yell at us, say, Hey, can you reach the Huey? They're not answering. And I'm like, that's not a, that's not a good sign. Not at all. And so Joe took her with radio and I, I took the cyclic and did a 180 degree turn. And as we turn around, we see smoke coming up the Valley and still under NTSB investigation on what's going on. My gut is the hit wires, you know, the area where you're flying is held together by it's mountains and power wires everywhere. And you know they lost six people on that crash, but that so that was my first first helicopter lesson. And my wife is a flight nurse, so I'm flying back, and of course, like an idiot, I'm, I leave my phone in the truck because we're flying yeah. open doors. I'm like, I don't want my phone to fall out. Right. So <laughs> she gets a call that there's been a helicopter crash. So of course she knows I'm out, and she knows Huey's out. Nobody knows which one it is. So she's blowing yeah. up my phone. My yeah. friends are blowing up my phone. I come back, we come back towards the airport 
because we figure out there's nothing we can do. I mean, we're circling, but there's no place that we can land. It's evident that it's, you know, there's nothing we can do. And of course, then I fly over and I see her aircraft gone. I'm like, wait, was that a green tail or was that a blue tail? Because her aircraft, you know, so we land. And of course, the, the, we have a cool down period in the, the 260 or the TH 55. It's about three, four minutes and there's no rotor break. So, you know, all these people are standing waiting for us to give a report on what we've seen. And that was the longest three and a half minutes. You know, is that rotor? Oh, yeah. It must have seemed like an eternity waiting for that thing to spin down. Yeah. Oh. But, you know, I got asked how many times that day. Does this change your mind about doing this? Nope. Nope. You know, I don't think the helicopter killed him. No. There's that. There's that. So, real quick, you mentioned the term CTAF. That's C-T-A-F. That's the Common Traffic Advisory Frequency. And that's for airports with no control towers. That's how you get in and out of them. You talk to each other. Tell everybody Redneck control tower. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, even at airports that have control towers, when they there's, when they close at night and there's nobody in the tower, it's back need to CTAF. CTAF right? Yeah. Or if you're like Las Vegas during COVID, didn't they go to CTAF one, one day? Okay. You know, I heard, I heard a story about that. I can't oh. confirm that, but uh, I think it's great story even if they did yeah nothing more dangerous than aeronine pilots trying to use seat def i think <laughs> i could be wrong <laughs> it is it's it's kind of ugly oh, speaking of ugly and, air, and controllers i was in vegas last month just you okay. know, going in and out and we the ground controller that was working when we were taxiing out went ballistic on the air. Oh boy. I'm not going to say good. what he said, but we looked at each other in the cockpit. Like, did we just hear that? Did he just say that on the radio? <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. He had reached his, his bucket was full and he was pissed. And some Southwest guy ticked, ticked him off. Wasn't listening. Did something stupid. And somebody Poking else chimed in and he said, <laughs> I'm not going to say what he said, but he said it on the air. He, he's in recurrent training now, probably. My guess is he's got a, he got a little time off. I'm guessing the supervisor said, "Oh, oh boy, well, let's get him outside. Let's get him cooled off." We we had a pilot at our aeromedical company who he was funny. He was a lawyer, but he was well known for saying whatever he wanted. And one of the hospitals in our area has a noise abatement procedure because a guy breeds pit bulls, and he would call and complain when the helicopters would come into the hospital because they were interrupting his breeding sessions. Ooh. so it was years. <laughs> gone on I me mean, this has been probably four or five years this has gone on and he's coming in and a good friend of mine was the nurse on that day and and the the local medical control center which is kind of like air traffic control for medical helicopters so they're talking to atc but on the medical side they have a whole control center where they're relaying to the hospitals and making sure all the pads are clear that they're coming in keyed up and said you know helicopter number two i won't say the company but you know uh, mind the noise abatement procedures and this tirade oh. comes out and it was like these mother effing dogs. I don't give a blah, 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 blah. And the, the nurse said, I thought he was saying it on, on just the intercom. On the intercom. Yeah. And he said, and then I saw the light go out on the dash and he was like, I, I think you were, you were hot mic man. And he goes, I know I was keys it up and does it again. <laughs> Repeats it. <laughs> Yeah, he got a little time off for that one. Yeah, oh, oh, man. <laughs> sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes yeah. inadvertent. Yeah, yeah. But I guess you get to that point. But he didn't care about those dogs. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you know, okay. clearly. Oh well, man. Yeah, I get it. 
So, f- funny call sign meet up with us. With Stab. With Stab. Stab. So, have you Which guys stab is that? Stab, stab was a call a, sign? Yeah, there was a, a funny story. I read it. I was just scrolling through social media one day, and it came up, and this naval aviator had written a story about how he got his call sign. And I'll see if I can find the link. I'll send it to you guys afterwards. Okay. And basically, he had drank too much coffee and had eaten way too much midnight rats or whatever on the boat. Okay. And he's coming in, and he gets the gubble, the 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 bubble guts. So oh. he comes back, and <laughs> he shits himself twice and bolters. Oh no! So he came to the. You know, the story goes on. He comes to the. Shit's toys and bolters. And and so his name's changed right there. It's written on the board. And I thought that was the funniest story ever. And I was at Oshkosh. Of course, there's 100,000 people there. And the F-35 demo team on the Navy side was there. And there was probably 20 or 30 guys gathered around the airplane. And like as my eyes go across there, I see the guy that says stab. And I was like, no way. So one of his, his buddies was standing there. I said, hey, is that the guy? He goes, yep, that's him. Hey, he knows your story about you shitting your pants. Yeah. <laughs> so STAB, S-T-A-B, stands for that's, shits twice and bolters. And bolters, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the beauty of Oshkosh, man. You run oh, into yeah. so, you mean, so many different things that you can, you know, people you see, but you never expect to you know, read a story six months later or something like that. <sighs> yeah. No, that's a divine intervention. You were supposed to meet that dude. Yeah. Oh, we ended up talking like 10, 15 minutes. Great dude. That's great. You guys ever, Uh, did you guys ever do Oshkosh? I still haven't. I've tried to the last, this last year I couldn't, my airplane was still down. A couple times before that, I was going to go in and and then a friend of mine, in fact, the friend who has the kids he made solo before they get their ears pierced. He goes, don't bring your airplane. The duty thunderstorm is going to come up. It's going to blow a tent into your airplane and, you know, you'll be down until you get it fixed. I went, oh, okay. So I was going to drive out there. But as you know, I mean, even even running somebody's camper is high demand. So you have to have probably time to plan it is now. It, it really is. Yeah. It's, uh, two years yeah. out. Sun and fun is a uh, majority of the guys from the airport down here, Haller and Jungles. Where he, where he lives yeah. or has his hangar. We all go to Sun and Fun every year and camp together, and it's the most fun. You know, the the, the, the show is great, but the yeah. evening time of guitar playing and storytelling and just sitting and listening to these guys. Yeah, like, Fig, that's April, isn't it? Or Chucker, April. Yeah, yeah April. when is – where is that usually? Is it held in the it's same it, place every time? Yeah, it's at Lakeland, Lakeland, Linder Lakeland Regional. So, oh, Fig, you and I are going to bid the time off. We're going to do Sun and Fun this year. You bring your debonair. I'll bring the tiger. Should do a show there with all those guys. Yeah, that would be a hoot. When is the date for that? Well, uh, let me look it up while we're chatting. I think it's it's in April. It's in April. It's always around the same time in April. Yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of, I know a bunch of Grumman's go, so. Yeah, and Sun and Fun's great. In the evening time, you know, you can hop on a golf cart, run around the flight line. Everybody's just having a great time, relaxed. Beer tents everywhere, airplanes. I mean, you can't beat it. That sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah it's the you know. worst time ever. <laughs> well, I have vacation. I have vacation in April. Uh, so do I, actually. Now that you mention it, we've got yeah, we're in yeah. April oh, 9th I, through the fourteenth, twenty twenty four. Okay, ninth through fourteenth. Uh, you know, you so get second week, and it seems like anybody you you know, it's it's your job, especially in aviation. You get a little burned out, and you know, you're like, oh, 
and or in anything else you're doing, but man, you go to these shows and it just, just like makes you reinvigorated to go, you know, you're ready to do a new rating. You're ready to do, you know, yeah, anything in the world, just, just walking around everybody else and seeing, especially seeing some of these vintage planes, which is phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah, traveling's kind of a busman's holiday for us, but that being said, traveling in the, in my own airplane is not, I still enjoy doing that. So. I generally Could travel have. by Airstream now, and I'm not there, so there you to go. avoid all airports. Isn't that odd? Yeah, what are the odds? Hey, you bring well, your Airstream, flown, man. I'll come down and stay with you. <laughs> yeah, I haven't flown to Oshkosh yet because uh, I want to, but the thought of camping under the wing all week. And no. No. Yeah. I like to glamp. I'm, I need the air exactly. conditioning and the Wi-Fi yeah. and yeah. You know, have your kitchen the there. It's the Airstream. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like everywhere I go, I got the Lodge of Four Seasons with me and all exactly. my stuff. Yeah. So oh. I, I like glamping myself, but my wife's only in the Camp Hyatt and Camp Hilton, Camp Marriott. Those aren't bad. Those aren't bad. <laughs> Not bad either. <laughs> well, well, uh, I have to ask you a, kind of a philosophical aviation question, Chucker. What What is it about flying that gives you the most pleasure? What 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 aspect and and freedom. I'll, you tell, okay, uh, there you go. One word. Boom. Expand on that you know, at all. I mean, I get it, but I for non-flyers, how the ability to go wherever you want, you know, within reason, obviously, but you know, you, you drive down, you get in your car, even a sports car and you drive down the road and, and you're limited to that road. It's going to make a left turn. You know, it's going to make a left turn. It's going to make a right turn. It's going to make a right turn. A lot of the times when I take off, I don't know where I'm going. I may stay in the pattern. I mean, I'm well, neither do we, but that's, <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, I totally yeah. get it. And no, just, man. I think that's the thing that, that just amazes me about aviation is that, you know, it's the unknown. And that that's what does it for me. You know, when I'm stressed out, even at work, it's, you know, we talk about helicopters, you know, scaring you in airplanes. That, that's where I go to relax. You know, it's just me up there. You know, I've, I've taken people flying, but it's not necessarily my favorite thing to do. I like just being up there. I think. You know, um, I think a lot of aviators probably hopefully feel that same way. Oh, do I? I totally do. Absolutely. Just as soon as I, as soon as I get off of the ground, everything slows down. Even if I'm doing, you know, 325 knots in a climb, it still slows down, and I can mm-hmm. look down, and everything seems neat and orderly. As opposed to the third tornado, it is, <laughs> you know, total chaos on, on, you know, as soon as you leave the ground, it's in order. It's nice. I, I left out one of the airplanes. I sold that Zenith that I told you about, and I just picked yeah. up a 1947 champ, Aronka champ. And oh, shit, the nice. tailwind, I just finished tailwind or tail dragger. And that, okay. that to me, that's true flying. Like the window slot open, like a car, you're going 70 miles an hour. You know, it's just to me that's that's true flying. I love flying that thing. Now you it keeps you on your toes. Do you but, say it's a 1946? 47. 1947. 1947. Champ? Okay. Yeah, Aronka Champ. Oh, Aronka. Okay. Yep. Yeah, um, nice. What motor's in that? That's got a C90, Continental C90. But, you know, that, that mm-hmm. tail comes up and you're just kind of float off the ground. And I swear the, the landing gear on that thing is made of like the biggest springs and absorption. That thing takes a beating, especially for a new tailwheel pilot like myself, you know, but it's, you know, that tail comes up and it, 
that's the truest form of flying that I've, that I've experienced. It beats the helicopter, beats everything. It's just feeling that wind go across. And, you know, you hear that engine, it's just, it's almost like it's in slow motion, you know, as you, and again, you, you take off and you just go left, go right, go, go low, go high, do whatever you yeah. want. I just got a picture sent to me by the Dago Billy via text message. I don't know if this is his cub or your champ. It's yellow. You guys. That's, that's his cub. That's, okay. that's his J3. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's the first tailwheel airplane that I, that I flew was with him. That's pretty awesome. If it wasn't for his ugly mug, it'd be a really nice picture. That's why they got Photoshop fig. Let's get one of those flight nerds. Let's get one of those flight nerds and photoshopped <laughs> in there. Make you uh, make a wish. <laughs> Who's your? Yeah, I, I I saw this and I thought, well, Chucker's got some. Make a wish kid in the front of his champ. I'm wondering who that was, and I realized, oh shit, that's the Dago Billy. There's going to be some Photoshop artwork done now. No, oh, no, boy. my phone's blowing up. Just wear oh, a cup geez. next time you go to work, there, Fig. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to keep keep my head on a swivel. <laughs> Dear God, too funny. I know what I'd like to get back to. We opened the show with a with a house raid. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, before I was a judge, I was a prosecuting attorney, which is like a district attorney in some states, but we, in ours we call it a okay. prosecuting attorney. And I got assigned to the U.S. Marshals Task Force as a deputy U.S. Marshal. And in the Marshal Service, it's still back to the really days. You know, it, <laughs> they can they swear in whoever they want for the task force. You know, if, as long as you're in some law enforcement capacity and. They, you know, here's your badge, here's your gun, you know, you're now part of the team. Oh boy. And we were working, if I remember correctly, on a group of felony warrants that night. And the, the law enforcement agency that we were with, they were founded, it's a state agency, on basically being revenuers. That was their thing. You know, they, okay. they busted okay. moonshiners back in the day. Well, they had come from their in-service where all of the, the state troopers get together and go over what's new for the year. And their colonel at this particular in-service had harped on the history of the state police. And, you know, we were busting moonshiners and we were revenuers and that's where we came from on horseback. I mean, got these guys all jacked up. So that night, a call comes in to their dispatch center calling about a complaint and giving the house address of this house that was making hundreds of gallons of illegal moonshine daily. Wow. And, and not so, a I mean, small operation at all. Not a small operation. So these guys are all like, you know, no, we're, we're shutting it down. We're going to shut it down. And the guy says, when you, you know, here's the house, here's the evidence. He gave a sworn statement and he said, you know, this guy is armed and there's several of them in there. Be careful when you go in, you know, he, he's liable to open fire and here's where the house is. So we we're sitting there and we plan this raid and get the search warrants and there's there's the little uh, moonshine still. I've got that up on. And, the, got the still up on yeah, the uh, video. <laughs> we, we did recreate that picture to kind of look like a bunch of revenuers from the 30s. And, it's, it's the <laughs> and so we park, oh gosh, half a mile up the road, and we're walking in, and you know, like this guy could really shoot. I mean, everybody be on your toes, and we're you know, they're starting to use hand signals like we're you know in downtown Baghdad <laughs> in the middle of the Iraq War, you know. So we go to the door, boom, 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 knock, state police, open up, search for it. 
the door opens and are you guys familiar with popcorn Sutton? No, no. no. So uh-huh. if you Google the guy, popcorn Sutton, he was one of the moonshine okay. guys about 95 years old, long white beard, like <laughs> corn cob pipe. Right. Just if you can picture, okay. Type in old school moonshiner. Right. Okay. Now, that's what he looks I'm like. with you. And he says, I know why you boys are here. It's in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course now we're like well obviously this isn't exactly what we thought so we go out to his barn and sure enough he's got his still set up and he's i mean he's got bread dough wrapped around the, the cracks in the pipes and that gives it the flavor that goes into it it's evident <sighs> that this guy has not is not doing hundreds of gallons a day you know we've yeah. been set up yeah so i called my boss who was the the chief prosecutor and i said hey we're on this. That's about what that guy looked like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said, there's no way we should prosecute this guy. This is, you know, this is not, this shouldn't happen. Right. And so one of the troopers is over there interviewing him and I hear him ask him, you know, he's like, all right, well, how much, how many gallons a week do you do? And then the next thing he's like, well, how long do you let your mash sit? What do you get? I'm like, did. are you getting your damn recipe? Or are you, are you interrogating? <laughs> know, what are right? you doing? So he comes over and the, the old guy does and he says, man, I hate that you guys are going to have to probably take my still. And I'm about to tell him that we're not going to do anything, you know, and that's when their phone rings and they had already called their colonel to let them oh. know this was going on, who had then called the press. So no. like they had set up no. the whole thing, you know, they'd set up the whole thing that they were going to do it. So, we told him we're going to seize, we'll, we'll seize his steel and then we'll evaluate it and present it to a grand jury if we no intention of doing it. Right. And so the old guy says, you know, that was my great grandfather still. And I'm like, Oh, good God, you're 95. Well, this thing's got to go back to like 1800, you know? Right. Yeah. You know? And I said, and something just in my head, I went, is that the only one you got? And he gets this like shitty and grin on his face. And uh-huh. goes, well, I, I got parts of another. And he said, <laughs> I could probably, I said, you can build another still, a small one. He went, I'll drive it to wherever you need me to. He throws that in the back of his truck. We take it down to the headquarters, get the picture, send it off. Got him loose, left him alone after that. Oh, that's so he, great. He brought his own still. So wait, so, so which still did you, which still did you haul in? The, that's the, the fake the, one. The one, in the, the one in the picture, he built that little one. Just for you know, and and that way we could seize a still that he didn't care about. Oh, you know? that's nice. Then he got to keep so, Grandpappy still. <laughs> so the the best part of that story when we figured out who called it in, the guy told us. You know, we're talking to him. We said, "Well, competition. Sir, who would have called you in? He's better. He's better." He said, <laughs> I, know, "I know, I know who called me in." I said, "Well, who was it?" He said, "As my brother." I said, "Your brother?" Yeah. <laughs> He's just mad that I'm dating his girlfriend now. <laughs> so Are you brother, kidding? 82 years old, girlfriend oh was her late seventies, upper eighties, and they were sharing her. And <laughs> that's what it all started. Yep. Okay. More trouble over women in this world than undefeated since the beginning of the time. <laughs> oh my God. All the right, eternal so just, story. Listen, just so I got it straight. The picture the, with the still that's still in the picture. That's yeah. not the one that was, his granddaddy's. No. That was Producing. the one that he no. he he put I that together that. in about three minutes out of the barn, just grabbing pieces, put it in his truck, and drove it to the headquarters. Building. Parts oh, is parts. Back up. 
Set it, it back set up. It up. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's great. That right way, part. there was a photo. Of course, it went to the head shed at the the, the state. They get a photo yeah. of a, a still that seized. You know, yeah. Yep. Local local state police raid moonshiner still seized. You know, story at eleven. Nothing ever happened. Parts is parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're a good. You know what? You you are a good man. Good uh, man, Chucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, we, we, we knew that have, already. We gave the one guy who who set this all up a hard time. Like, what are you doing? This guy probably could have been your source for the best moonshot in the world. And, you know, right, right. Now we're gonna go raid him. Told me you got a taste, Chucker. Yeah, I did. That was. Whew, I think I about went blind. It wasn't great. But. <laughs> I kept the jar at my office for years after that, you know, just sit on the shelf. But. Too funny. Great uncle. Great <laughs> uncle. Let's talk about yeah. there's, there's a story there. Yeah. So I've got this great uncle. His name was John. He just passed away this, this last year at 96, 95 years old. And John worked for the company, as you'd say, and even as a high schooler and, and college kept asking me if I wanted to go work for, quote, the company, meaning the CIA, you know, he could make that happen. And what he did, didn't he didn't really obviously talk about it a lot. I knew that he had worked overseas. He worked in, in Asia. Finally, years later, after he retires, gets into his story because part of it was put in a book. He was the CIA, I guess, contact or head over the Black Cat Squadron, which was the U-2 program that the Taiwanese pilots flew. So they took the U-2s over to Taiwan to fly over mainland China. Obviously, we didn't want American pilots in it, so they recruited Taiwanese ROC pilots. And he was their contact for the agency and ran the program for years. Ends up retiring and did did a couple other things. Worked as a courier. And that's that's John right there. Actually, that's his Black Cat Squadron jacket that Got they presented the when he left. Okay. And uh, you can see their patch. And he worked for Kelly Johnson, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. You know, oh, got yeah. a signed picture, a retirement yeah. picture signed by Kelly. So let's let's office. say who Kelly Johnson was here. Do you remember Fig? Skunk Works. Yeah, baby. Yeah. He's Skunk the guy. Works. He he headed up the SR seventy one program, among and other the, things. And the U two, right? The U two, yeah. Put all that stuff together with with stinking slide rules. And without, yeah, I, I studied him in a class I took about how he cut the barriers for the skunk works, like told, you know, HR, whatever they need to get. I don't care about paperwork. I don't care about, you know, our policies for just whatever they need that we got to get this done. And it worked, you know, compared to even the rest of the company, but I digress. That's a whole, whole separate subject, but amazing guy. John went on out after his career, he retired once and then came back again in the nineties, late two thousands <laughs> and was in Uzbekistan and some other places. You know, if you talk to him, when you think CIA asset or CIA agent, I guess the agents, not the word they use, but he's the most b- loud, brash guy that would stand out in the crowd. But yet, you know, he's in all these foreign lands and he worked, he, he did courier work, which I didn't understand until I talked to him two or three times right before he died, which meant he was bringing back defectors from Germany. He was currying them back and then he was babysitting them. And no got kidding. to know a bunch okay. of them. Talked about one that he showed me the book and where this guy ends up marrying a, a dentist here in the States and then gets this fairy tale belief that all is going to be okay because they told him he could come home to Moscow. And of course he never was seen seen again. Um, yeah. Right. And you know so he, he he goes and John has a great career, passes away. And what we don't what the funny story 
how he got in and how he died. How he gets in, he's a lifeguard at the local pool, and his buddy is going to go to D.C. to take the test for the CIA, but it was the OSS at the time. They hadn't been called the CIA yet. Right. Precursor CIA. John had the car and a driver's license. His buddy didn't. <laughs> so John drives him to D.C. They walk into the senator's office. They have to get this package signed. I guess the, how they accepted their appointment. And his, the senator's secretary from, from the state said, are you here for the test? And John said, yeah. He didn't have a clue what it was. He takes the test, passes it goes on over it. and does everything else. And they offered him a job, still didn't know what he, what it was. And his, of course his buddy did not get the job. <laughs> oh, of so, course. So that's how he started his career and how he ended his career. He, his life I think was appropriate for a spook. He lived in Los Angeles, Southern California area. So every time I'd go out there, we'd go see him and hadn't talked to him in a month or so. And that wasn't abnormal with him. And his wife calls my dad actually by accident. And so he answers and, and she's from originally from Okinawa and says, you know, Oh, I didn't mean to call you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And my dad goes, well, that's okay. How's, how's John doing? I haven't talked to him. And he gets, she goes, Oh, John died last month. And he's like, what? <laughs> she goes, yes, I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. Nobody was allowed to know, but he said that if someone asked, it was okay to tell that he, that he had passed. Okay. Oh my gosh. Which, I mean, is that, you know, yes. is that appropriate for a spook to go out? He was worried till the last second. <laughs> yes. You know, someone yeah. knowing something. Don't tell I've, anybody. Yeah. I've got some great recordings I need to put together. And towards the end, he was kind of repeating himself a lot. But of some of his stories, I'm going to try to piece that together so his wife can have it. And, you know, that we can listen to it. But even oh, at, at his, yeah. his age, you know, I would ask him a question and he wouldn't answer. He'd just give me that sly look and he'd change the subject. Pivot, you know, and go, go right on. <laughs> right. Like, Man, that's, but, that's uh, great. great American. That's kind uncle. of a theme on the show. Father was that way. His college roommate. Hey, man, let's go join the Air Force. Guy didn't make it through flight school and father's a squadron commander in F-15s, you know. <laughs> it's funny how life works out that way. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Oh, man. We haven't killed any livestock, have you? We got to get away from that theme. <laughs> yeah, for a while we we were on a livestock killing team, Chucker. You probably are aware. Yeah, you, you haven't been involved in anything like that, have you? Two things. I almost hit one with a, a whole. I would say a flock of cows. You could say a whole herd of them with my car. I saw the pearly gates coming at me. That and one of the helicopter flights in Florida. We go out to this guy that's stepped on by a bull, and land in the field, and he's hurt bad. He's drunk. Gets on the back of this large steer. And it steps on him right here, right in the neck, just rips everything out. Oh, well, I wow. asked, where's the bull? And the fire department, bless their hearts, they're like, he's right over there. And I look on the other side of the helicopter, and it's staring at the aircraft, like oh. pissed off staring. Yeah. Oh, and boy. so I'm just pointing at the pilot like, up, take off, take off. <laughs> like, the bull, that's right. The bull. <laughs> the bull. <laughs> the bull. The bull. <laughs> like, if, you can, if you can't see, Chucker had his hands. You making the horns. horns on his head. <laughs> the bull. Which made me think of the moose. Uh, yeah. From from last from our week, air two cab. weeks ago. Yeah. yeah air cab last week. Yeah. Oh, Coming up. He, he didn't hit the helicopter. Thank goodness. Okay. That would have been some paper. <sighs> right. Oh boy. Oh, wow. that's too funny. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end. Do you have any good 
court stories you could share with oh, us? Oh, I've, I've got thousands of them. Okay. Um, Do you have any kit that you can share with yeah, the yeah, codicil so I'll, on I'll, that? I'll share, I'll share a couple. <laughs> my, my very first case as a lawyer, I get appointed as a defense attorney by a judge who was a great mentor. And basically, he's going to give me the loser cases so I can learn. And this guy was charged go. with third offense, DUI, and uh, grand theft larceny because he stole the car. So we show up to grand jury hearing and they, they walk forward and they announce, you know, you've been charged by the grand jury. You're indicted for this. And this is your attorney. And he points to me and the guy's wearing a Budweiser Dale Earnhardt Jr. shirt that says, drive it like you stole it. No. And I'm like, no, you're going to prison. You're going to prison. So, you know, yeah, no, we're not showing up in a suit and yeah, a coat and tie. I, I had a, a gentleman walk in as a prosecutor who was charged with DUI and uh, public intox, which I shared a photo of with you guys. Oh, and I could I tell it. that he was, he had had a, a few adult beverages that morning. This is like nine 30 in the morning. Oh boy. And we had one of the officers pull out his breathalyzer, the portable breathalyzer. And yes. as the picture shows, yeah. he blew 0.394. Which for, for those that, that aren't familiar with the level of that, 0. 0.08 is legally drunk driving. So, I mean, I don't know how he was breathing. Yeah, 0. 0.394. Yeah. There's some, I had to take picture. a picture. Holy shit. That you know, is a long ball hitter there, man. That is not an amateur. A that is a that varsity is a player. <laughs> well, you know, you said it was 930 in the morning. Maybe, yeah. you know, he he was it was late in the day. For he him. was still Maybe rolling. He yeah. going all night. The judge came unglued and said, you know, I'm going to continue your hearing. You better come back here not drunk in three days. And he walked in and he blew triple zeros the next time. And, of course, he's, you know, he looked like death warmed over. He was gray. He probably sweaty. had the ODTs, ash, and yeah, yeah, right. Guarantee he was boy, cracking a bottle boy. as soon as he, you know, as soon as he walked out. So just that was that was mind-blowing, you know. <laughs> as far as from, from my, my current occupation – you know, we've, I'm in the family division, so a lot of outrageous things, a lot of sad things that, that will just make you wonder why people do what they do. And then just a lot of stupidity, you know, that, that I used to, to joke that the same people that I used to pick up on Friday night in the ambulance, you know, now they're just thinking about their story and now they're showing up on Monday morning to court. It's the same exact same. Matter of fact, I had one guy that as a prosecutor that I used to pick up on the ambulance all the time. He, I mean, he called five, six times a day because they figured out that they can get a free ride up to the hospital, get a turkey sandwich and go to town and then don't have to pay for it. Just Boy. constant, constant drunk. Yeah. And this one individual, he actually tried to fight me one night and the ambulance jumped across and spit at me and was taking swings. And so we had to restrain him down. And so fast forward like six, seven years and I'm working the, the on-duty prosecutor desk that morning for the, the incoming arrest. And I see him come in. And he's handcuffed and I'm like, he just walks right past me, kind of looks at me and goes in and his lawyer comes out laughing and he's like, Hey, uh, my client wants to talk to you. And I don't talk to defendants. I can't. He goes, no, 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 you got to hear this. You you really need to hear this guy. So (laughs) I'll I'll walk back in the holding cell and he's there. Picture it. He's about four foot eight, this little dude. And he's got this, this list about him. And he goes, Mr. Spios, Mr. Spios. He said, uh, please let me out of the jail. I know we had our problems on the ambulance years ago, but I'm not a bad guy. Please let me out. I said, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You got to you gotta have this. 
Yeah, so, <laughs> That's um, I've, awesome. I've had in, in family court and other other things. I've I had a divorce that that was you know they were married forty nine point six years. I'm like, Ugh. why don't you make it a fifty? I don't understand. And he's can I be honest. I said, yeah. And they everything was agreed. They weren't fighting. And, and okay. He said, I said, why? Well, ah. He goes, I'm tired of her shit. <laughs> I had to start laughing. And she goes, well, I'm tired of you. And that's that. I, that's yeah, that. I wish I could that's make that. that a show title. We wouldn't get it on Facebook, but uh... <laughs> I'm tired of her shit. Yeah. I had, and I'm tired of his. I've had uh, a gentleman, a lady, sorry, who described her best friend's extramarital affairs as she described her as the Blanche Devereaux of the town. And if you've watched Golden Girls, yep, Blanche Easily. Devereaux was the was the hussy of the town. I mean, just and I'm just like putting my like. This can't be real. This is not real. But that's that's just crazy. That's just crazy. That's shit, fantastic Chuck. stuff. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah. Well, now listen. Oh, I love you guys. I, I, my core workout is. I, I can't. I love you guys. <laughs> I've had a great core workout, but in, in five minutes, there's an event that's going to start. Yeah. It's a Taylor Swift game. <laughs> yeah. Well, Taylor <laughs> Swift's <laughs> boyfriend's football team. Is uh, there playing. you go. I hope he scores a home run. <laughs> Boy, I do too. <laughs> oh man. Well, we gotta land this plane, but I'll tell you what, Chucker, it has been an absolute blast and an honor. And and thank you first of all for all your support. We we're humbled. Yeah. You know, thank you guys for, for people like me that, that didn't get to experience the dream. This is kind of the way we do it. We get to hear these stories and you know, and thank you all for your service and everyone else that that, that gave service oh, to this great country. Cool. It, uh, we couldn't have a podcast like this without you guys doing that. We much, much appreciate it. You, you're in here telling the story. So, so tell, I'm telling you it's aviation. It ain't just military. It's aviation, but indeed, but thank you to, to you for these wonderful stories, for the time you spent, for the time you spent serving as an EMT and as a judge, that's not, that's not doing it all for yourself. You're serving the community and I appreciate, and that's appreciate it too. So, Thank you, though, to all our uh, military veterans and their families and all the sacrifices they go through. And by the time you hear this and me saying Happy Thanksgiving, it's going to be over. But we're recording before Thanksgiving. So those watching live with us now, Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Yeah. We hope you get to spend some time with your families and your loved ones and, and get some time to reflect on all the things you're grateful for. Yeah, happy Turkey Day, everyone. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And to you. All right. And then let's see. We need to thank Dave Hamilton over at BackbeatMedia.com. Dave Hamilton. Helps us out. Gets us every time. Uh, BackbeatMedia.com. If you have a show and you want advertising, give them a, give them a shout-out. See if they can help you out. Uh, we had a couple terms. I don't know if I'm sober enough to get them on the page, but we've got a glossary. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Get that glossary uh, if you want to... Uh, uh, so there was that us slash glossary if you got terms that you didn't understand if they're not there shoot us an email and we'll get them up there for you so what about all this cool merch Vic? where would you go and get some of that so there i was slash merch dot us slash merch dot yeah. us look there at that go. there's Good. a great example of a cocktail glass which i need to get yeah. these are nice these are nice yeah i'm wearing the hoodie love this thing super warm got great feedback on this thing um, 
Patreon pilots, of which, Chucker, you are one. Thank you, Triple Tanker Aircraft Commander. I met triple a guy... Tanker. Yeah. I met Kale? a guy in Stansted. Yeah. Kale Heckerson is a Marine C-130 aircraft commander. He joined and said, you know, since I am a tanker aircraft commander, it's only appropriate. <laughs> it's only, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Marine. Yeah, indeed, Marine. Semper Fi. How, how are you going to help us out, Fig, if you don't want to give us money? How else can you help us? Share the show. Do it now. Share the show. Just Share the show. And give us a five-star rating. Do it. All right. I, I got it. I got a bitch. Go Some ahead. dweeb dropped a one-star on us, dude. Oh. No comments, no nothing. All right. You know why? Whoever you are, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> you know you know why? <laughs> yeah, because we said there was a perfect rating. I don't know. I know right? <laughs> what a dick move. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, that's all right. You know what? The guy's a dude. Yeah. He knows he's a dude. <laughs> he, when he looks in the mirror, he goes, I'm such a dude. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm such a douche. I'm gonna drop a one star on those guys. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? You know. Right. Oh well. Hey, uh, I know he's watching tonight. Brad Silcott over at BDSAviationPhotography.com. Look at that you, picture of that Harrier behind my head. Beautiful, beautiful stuff he's got up there. We appreciate your support and sharing that with us. And uh, you know, if I would want to play some music for the show. What would I do, Fig? I'd go uh, to uh, wherever you get your music and type in Dos Gringos because uh, they have four albums out and all every one of the songs is is uh, is awesome. Yeah, they, and they make indeed. the uh, they make the Air Force sound good. A couple F sixteen pilots, absolutely great, great music, and they let us use it. They do which indeed, is, which is so, awesome. Thank you, gents. That's great support as well. That's it. Until next week, in honor of our uh, helicopter pilot who's here, Fig, any advice? Stay safe and uh, don't sit on the collective. Don't do it. It's dangerous. (laughs) Bad idea. Bad idea. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing. On that day Now an F-16 is cramped enough But it's even worse With all that stuff Supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause when you're going down the North Atlantic Man, it's over You heard him say it It's over But you just can't win Cause I'm here to tell you You guilty as sin Here comes the judge Here comes the judge Here comes the judge See ya (laughs)